0: From the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. But I was going to teach on Goliath today, and I remember Pastor Issy saying, I hate that you sped past 2 Kings chapter 3. And it is one of my favorite scriptures to teach on. Um, One of the things I noticed, I got saved in my shower in 2015. I had a radical encounter with God. It was really a Saul to Paul moment. Where um, I know people say that God is a kind God and He's a perfect gentleman and He doesn't do anything without your permission, but I can, I'm a sign, miracle, and wonder that that is also a lie. That I did not give God my permission in August 2015, but He took it. And um, I'm gratefully did. The only regret that I have is that I did not say yes sooner. And so I take the Bible at its word. I take it very literally because I didn't have a light to unlearn when I came to Christ. And I believe that a lot of us have been taught very bad doctrine. A lot of us have sat under very bad teachers. And because we don't pick up the Bible for ourselves, we don't really know what right and wrong is. The Bible says that, you know, we are in a dispensation, if you will, um, of false teachers, false prophets, of seducing spirits, of lying tongues, And many of us don't know how to decipher between the difference. And so I just wanna challenge you all today to really dig into your word. There's so many people that say, God doesn't talk to me in this season. God doesn't talk to me in this hour, but God is always talking in his word. He is always talking through scripture. And one of the reasons I believe he's not talking to you right now in the season is because if you did hear a voice in the realm of the spirit, or if you did hear a voice in your dreams, or if you did start having trances, how would you know the difference between who the devil was and who a God was? says, my sheep know my voice and many of us don't know his voice because when he talks to you anyway, you doubt it. You second guess it. You start saying, was that God? And so I want us to all get into a place where we are hungry for the word of God, where we are hungry for sound doctrine, where we're rightly able to divide the word, where we're able to practically take what we learned and be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And so there's a statistic that says like, um, you have to read something seven times to retain 60% of the information, which means that it behooves you to read a certain scripture over and over and over and over again until it is planted in your spirit and your automatic response to anything that's going on in life is what the Bible says. So I want us to go to 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to read it in the King James Version, which is my favorite version to read out of. And after that, I'm going to take you through the Message Version, which is just the fun version. I don't study out of that version, but boy, are they funny over there in the Message Bible. Cracks me up. I'm like, who even wrote this? Comedy Central? Jeez. Now Jeroham the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 18th year Jehoshaphat king of Judah and reigned 12 years and he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord. I want you to just highlight that. He wrought evil in the sight of the Lord but not like his father and not like his mother for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel the sin and departed not therefrom. Now, I just want to give you a little background on Jeroboam. He was Jezebel and Ahab's son. We all know who Jezebel and Ahab are, right? Okay. He was Jezebel and Ahab's son. I love when I go to the Message Bible, it says, In the sight of In God's sight, he was a bad king, but he wasn't as bad as his father and mother. To his credit, he destroyed the obscene bale stone that his father had made, but he hung on to the sinful practices of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, the ones that had corrupted Israel for so long, and he wasn't about to give them up. Verse four, Misha king of Moab was a sheepmaster and rendered unto the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams with wool. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And the king and en- en- Jeroboam went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all of Israel. And he went and sent Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a man of God. So now you have a king who was bad in God's sight, who goes to a man of God for help. And he said, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as your people and my horses as your horses. And he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered the way through the wilderness of Edom. And I wanna ask you today, because sometimes we get into a place where we begin to compromise with God. And what compromise is a very tricky thing because it allows you to align yourself with somebody that is not a believer of God because you all have the same enemy. And God wants to get us out of a habit that just because we have the same enemy means that we need to go into the same war. One of the things that Psalms 1 says, everything my hands touch prosper. One thing I know about believers is we love to hold on to the promises of God, but we hate to look at the prerequisites. And it's a very short chapter, but the very first thing it says, blessed is the man or woman, in my case, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What's the difference between being blessed? Anybody know? The difference between being blessed is cursed. Thank you. I thought we were going to have crowd participation today, but I guess not. (laughs) The difference between being blessed is cursed. So if he says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly," that means you are. If you are walking in the council of the ungodly, I hear so many people saying these days, well, I'll just eat the meat and spit out the bones. I can learn from them. But you don't have enough word in you to know what the bones are. And just because you've been saved for 20, 30 years, if you don't have the word of God in you, you're still a babe. Jehoshaphat ignored that Psalms 1 scripture. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the un- counsel of the ungodly, and he began to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He did not seek God's face first. And he said, Which way shall we go? And he answered, The way through the wilderness. I also love that he found some type of connection with Joroham. He said, Your people are my people, your environment is my environment. Even though we might not serve the same God, we have the same mission at hand. Let this be a reminder to you that it does not matter what your problem is and who you can relate to. If that person is not somebody that's serving God, you don't want to take God's glory away from him to partner with somebody who is not like him. Verse nine. So the king of Israel went and the king of Judah and the king of Edom and they fetched the compass of seven days journey. And there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. Isn't it funny how even though they had no water in the desert, the king knew that something was wrong, but he didn't want them to know that something he was wrong. And he was like, alas, God, look at what God has done. He brought us together to fight. And verse 11 says, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? The one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And the message Bible, verse nine, it says, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, the king of Edom started out on what proved to be a looping detour. A looping detour. They were going around in circles. And after, how many of you feel like you're going around in circles in your life? You're in a season of a looping detour. He says, after seven days, they had run out of water for both army and animals. And the king of Israel said, bad news. God has gotten us three kings out here to dump us in the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere around that we can consult of God? And then when he told him there was, there was Elisha, Jehoshaphat, good, a man we can trust. I want you to understand that what Jehoshaphat did here was called a course correction. That no matter how bad the decision you just made was, that no matter how bad the turn that you made was, there's always a point in God. His mercy is always so plentiful that you can wake up and say, God, I need a course correction. And I wanna challenge you today that no matter what your life looked like, whether you got into a bad relationship, whether you got into a bad business deal, whether you're experiencing the worst season of your life, you can say, God, I need a course correction. Is there anybody that can give me a word of the Lord? And what I love these days is that we have the person of the Holy Spirit. And you don't always have to go to a person because God wants to talk to you his, uh, himself. Now, Elisha one thing I love about scripture is that, you know, one would assume that everybody that is a believer or a leader is always nice, but Elisha was a little spicy in this scripture. He had an attitude and you want to know why he had an attitude because his spiritual father was Elijah and Jeroham was the son of Jezebel and Ahab. We all know that Jezebel tried to kill Elijah. So Elisha wasn't too happy about it. And he says, Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what do I even have to do with thee? Get thee to your prophets of your mother and your father. And the king of Israel said, no, no, no. The Lord called us three kings. We need your help, buddy. I mean, don't pay me no mind. In the message Bible, it says, Elisha addressed the king of Israel. What do you and I have in common? Go consult the puppet prophets of your father and your mother. And the king said, never. It's God who has gotten us into this fix, dumping us three kings into the hand of Moab. Isn't it just like somebody that doesn't serve God to blame them? And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look to, I don't even like you. Is what he said. And in the message Bible, it says, Elisha said, as God of the angel army lives and before whom I stand ready to serve. If it weren't for the respect I have for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. But considering bring me a minstrel. And when the minstrel played, the power of God came upon him the King James Version says but now bring me a minstrel and it came to pass that when the minstrel played the hand of the Lord came upon him I'd like to invite to you the idea that you can always change your attitude around that when circumstances come and when life hits you there is always a way to reposture yourself and respond to it and that way is worship I find it funny how when he responded to them I would assume that if the hand of the Lord came upon him after the minstrel played, that means that the hand was not necessarily upon him before. And I want to challenge all of you that whenever anything happens, your first response to that is worship so that you can get the father's response to this situation, the father's heart to this situation, that you can get the power of God back on this situation. And he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley Full of ditches make this valley. Do we remember where they were? They were in a desert. Do you, can you imagine what's not in a desert water? And yet he told these people who have been starving and thirsty and no strength to make a valley full of ditches. He didn't say make one ditch or two ditch or three ditch. He was also not ignorant of the fact that they were thirsty and weak and had no more strength left. And yet what God required them to do was more than pray. Bible says faith without works is dead. Just like a soul is without a body. And many of us have gotten into the habit of just praying and expecting God to do something different. But he says faith without works is dead. This is an example of faith without works in action. And they made the valley full of ditches in the desert. In a desert. When is the last time you showed radical obedience in your life in a desert season? When is the time that you look at something that seems impossible and you say, I'm gonna make this valley in my life full of ditches. And if you don't know how to make a ditch in your life in response to a certain situation, you can ask Holy Spirit, how can I show radical obedience, radical faith to you in this area? so I can see a response to it. I love the fact that God said, you're not gonna see any wind, neither will you see any rain, yet this valley shall be filled with water that you may drink both you and your cattle and your beasts." What he said was, you're not gonna see any proof that I'm working for you. Do you know how much faith you have to have to dig valleys in desert and you don't see any wind or any rain? You have no proof that the energy that you don't even have you're exerting out is even gonna work? This is going to require great strength and great faith from God, because without God, it's impossible to please him anyway. So when you begin to exercise this again, I take the Bible very practically. I read it and say, how can I start digging ditches in the impossible areas of my life? And when I begin to dig ditches, people complain a lot and they say, Tiffany, I've been believing God. I haven't seen my prayers answered. And I'm like, have you read second Kings three? Cause he said, you're not going to see any wind or rain. There are certain times in our life. We see God moving all over the place. It's undeniable. But then there are other times when you're believing God for a miracle where he's not going to show you anything, but you have to do what he tells you to do. And Elisha says, but this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. This is easy to him. I want you to write that down or maybe just remember it in your mind. I'm a big fan of writing things down, but I want you to write down. This is easy. Whatever that hard request is, this is easy to God. In the Message Bible, he says, God's word dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen to you. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to be filled up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. And he's also going to deliver the enemy into your hand. The Bible says that when they woke up in the morning, their valleys were filled with water. And when the Moabites heard that the kings came to fight against them, they gathered and they got ready to go into the fight. But when they rose up in the morning, the sun shined on that thing. I love the fact that the miracles of God can also act as a provision and protection. That this valley that was full with water provided for them because they got them their strength back. But God's miracles are dual purposed. And when the enemy woke up, the sun shined on the water and it looked like blood. So when the enemy looked from far away, they said, oh, they must have killed each other. We can let our guards down. We don't have to fight anymore. And when they got there, they realized that they were filled with strength and they ended up doing what you do when you let your guard down with an enemy. And so as I conclude my message today, I want to encourage everybody When I look at this nation and I look at the people in it, one of the things that God has given me is the sons of Issachar's anointing, which gives me the ability to discern the times and the seasons that we're in. And I have about a five to 10 year that I can see out across from. And one thing I know about Nigeria is that she was a nation that was born in innocence. She was a little girl that was full of promise, full of vision, full of hope, full of love. And this nation ended up being molested and raped and abused by the corrupted politicians, corrupted religious leaders. And what happens when you have a demonic impartation? Because many of us know of godly impartations, the laying on of hands. But there's also that something that happens when there's a demonic impartation that happens. Either you become very promiscuous or you delve into homosexuality or lesbianism. But there was a demonic impartation on this nation that happened when she was given over to corrupted leaders and abused, and she became rebellious, and she went into fornication. And we often think of fornication is illicit sex, but one of the other definitions of fornication is idol worship. And she began to worship other gods, and she began to give herself away. And whenever you've been abused, you become, or you feel like you're worthless. And then something beautiful happens Like exposure and the ripping off of your, you know, there's a saying in the United States, I don't know if you say it here, but you say, stop sweeping things under the rug. And we have a generation of people who have swept abuse under the rug, swept bad behavior from leadership under the rug, and God is saying, I'm pulling that rug from under you. The problem with this is that we are a people that judge things according to appearance and not judge things according to righteous judgment. Which means that what we're seeing today we think is bad. The exposure, the unfortunate thing that happened here October 20th. But we, what we don't see is the hand of God on it. Because what happened here October 20th through the power of social media was that it was ripped from under the rug and the world was able to see what was going on. And when exposure happens, because things that are healed, things that are, uh, things that are hidden can't heal well. That's why whenever you have a wound, they tell you to take the Band-Aid off so that the, the air can start healing it. And what it did was it exposed you to the world. And while there may be a lot of shame and embarrassment about the exposure, it's actually that thing that's going to cause you to heal a lot faster as a nation. but I am extremely excited for Nigeria because of the things that God has shown me. Now I've never heard a prophetic word about Nigeria before because I never thought I was coming. It's my first time in Africa. And one of the things God showed me was that he was taking her from up under the old husband that has been covering her, who has been abusing her and treating her wrong. And he was washing her and cleaning her again And he was making her beautiful again and giving her over to a new bridegroom. And she was going to be a bride that saw her worth again. And there will be many nations, including the United States of America that comes to learn at the feet of Nigeria. And Nigeria is a woman who will rise up in her worth. The problem is you never want another nation to come into Nigeria and respect her more than her own people do. You have to begin to change your perspective about this nation because mark my word, there will become a time in the next few years where people will start to travel here. This will become a vacation spot and you will say Nigeria, why would they be coming here? There's no word of vacation. There is a sound that has come out of Nigeria that the world has respected. I hear people talking about Nigeria from all over the world. People are saying, I got to get there. I got it. Nobody knows why we have to get here, but there is something that God is doing and he's going to be doing it through you. We often wait for people that are higher up to make things happen, but God says, I'm doing it through you. This is not the time to not be in prayer and fasting Because there's many of you that's sitting in this room right now that he's going to make viral overnight even before the end of this year is over. Many are gonna look at you and say, where did this person come from? I've never heard of them before. They came out of nowhere, but you were really a 10 year overnight success. God has been prepping you and preparing you and and challenging your character and your integrity because so far in generations, we've gotten so high on the gifts of people. We've gotten so high on people's ability to tell and foresee the future and call your name and your address that we forgot to look at the character and the moral integrity of these people. But God is building you up in your secret place and he's launching you back like a polished arrow who's been hidden in your father's quiver. And it may look like for a season you're being pulled back and you're wondering why, why am I going backwards, God? You say I was going to get launched out, but doesn't an arrow go back before it? And the further it goes back, the farther it goes. The only thing that God requires you to do in this season is to be ready, to be willing, and to be obedient. This is not a question to ask God. He is not looking for you to be qualified to walk into the positions. Many of you will go into governmental positions unqualified. Unqualified. I have a friend in Compton, LA. She was not qualified. She was actually the youngest mayor they ever elected. She had no idea what she was doing, but she was a prophet of God. And just like prophet Daniel, who didn't know what he was doing, but because of his moral excellence and character and the gifts of God on his life, he was raised up into high position. So will you. Don't look at yourself and wonder why you, and don't say, I don't know what I'm doing because the Bible says he'll use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I believe that I was sent here today to tell you all to posture yourself as a nation, posture yourself as a people. Nigeria is rising up. She will be one of the most esteemed nations in this world. And you have to not look at her like a grasshopper or else everybody else will. The economy of this nation will change, but it will require you all to learn the language of money. Learning about money is like learning how to speak Chinese. It's not something that comes normal or natural to many of us. For me, at least it didn't. I had to learn the language of money, so I knew what to do with it once I got it. You never want God to give us a promise that money is coming, influence is coming, and you don't know what to do with it once you have it. You want to begin to ask yourself questions like if somebody came and proposed an opportunity to you, and you knew it wasn't God, but you felt like you have to compromise because this is what has always been done, are you going to say yes? For the next few weeks or even a few months, but before this end, the end of this year is out, God will be testing you. And you will think, why am, I getting these, why am I getting these opportunities? What is this? It is just a test. And when you pass that test, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this message, Father. Although very simple, I pray, God, that it pierces the heart of the hearer. And I I pray that they become doers of the words and not just hearers of the words. Father, I thank you that a spirit of boldness in the book of Acts comes upon your people today. I pray, Father, that we yield ourselves to the power and ministry of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you enter into the hearts of everybody here, that you that we put you back in your rightful places in our lives, that we are a part of the revival that you are doing in this nation right now. I pray, Father, that you would move every heart to repentance. I pray, Father, that we become disgusted with the sins that we have allowed the doors to be open in our life for the enemy to attack us. And I pray, Father, that with the keys that you've given us, you've locked that door for good. Father, I pray that starting today, this is the first day of the rest of our lives. I pray, Father, that you have done a new thing in our life and you give us eyes to see it. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that the angels of the Lord, that hearken diligently unto your voice, God, move with lightning speed to make our destiny come in our life. Father, I pray that anybody that is in a destiny-destroying relationship, Whether that it is a business relationship, a marriage, a friendship, a situationship. I pray, Father, that even today that situation has been broken. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bring us into destiny relationships. I even pray right now that there are people of influence working on our behalf. I pray, Father, that right now our names are ringing in their ears. And I pray, Father, that we literally lay down our will for our own lives. And we say, God, have your will. Let your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Father, I pray that you strengthen the gift of discerning of spirits in your people. I pray, Father, that we're able to discern the things in the body of Christ. And I thank you for giving us the boldness to be able to speak out against what we see. I pray, Father, that you have risen up a people in this hour who are not afraid of the faces of men. I pray, Father, that you've risen up a people in this hour who do not morally revere people. That when you give us a word to speak, we we shy back at it because they're on a pedestal or they are people of influence. Father, I thank you that you have allowed us to never again say that we are just a little child. But as long as we have the Holy Spirit in us, we learn at rapid speed. Father, I pray that you teach us the things that we don't know yet. I pray that you give us courage in our walk with you. I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that every vex, every hex, every voodoo, every witchcraft prayer around us has been broken by the power of God. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that courses through every cell of our body with every breath that we take. I thank you for the blood that acts as a force field around us and our children and our families, God, and we are impenetrable against any attack of the enemy. Holy Spirit, have your way in our life. I thank you, Father, not just for a great increase in our lives, but I thank you for the wisdom to be able to steward it with godly integrity. Father, I thank you, God, that we are a sign, a miracle and a wonder of your goodness on this earth. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I even pray, God, that you do a spiritual heart surgery in the hearts of your people where there are stony hearts in this room right now, Father, I pray that you turn it into a heart of flesh. I pray, Father, that every ailment of bitterness, every ailment of resent, every ailment of hurt and unforgiveness, Father, I pray that you take your hand and you dig into our hearts and you get it out. Father, we release the burdens of this world We release it right now in the name of Jesus. Let the yoke breaking anointing that is on our lives break every yoke, God, that you have not set on our lives. We need your power. We need your love. We need your wisdom. We need your direction, Father. We say yes. We repent for walking away from our calling and being embarrassed about it. We say, God, use me, I'll go. Father, we are in love with you. And we thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in our life, everything that you've done, and everything that you will do. In the matchless name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at lo at